up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with yours truly, Sincere Hogan, and my partner, Mike Marler. And, hey, man, we got a great one today, got a great guest. We've been kind of hinting toward this for the last couple of weeks, and now we're making it happen. Yeah, man, uh, we have Roger Cross, actor Roger Cross, who's very well known for the role of Curtis Manning on 24. He's on right. two current hit shows, Continuum and Era, which are both great shows. You can you can catch the first two seasons of Continuum on Netflix as well as the first season of Arrow if you're behind the curve. Definitely worth your time. You want to catch up. Great shows. Roger also won an Academy Award for Free Willy 3. <laughs> you knew it was coming, man. Some of the greatest work ever. <laughs> ever. ever. <laughs> that drunk scene was so well worth it. <laughs> what's interesting is you've been, you've been a working actor since 1989. You were actually on 21, 21 Jump, Jump Street. Man. Oh, my God. That's how I'm going to start. <laughs> yeah, that goes. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk more about that soon because that that really brings memories back in. Sincere and I are around the same age, so sincere, I'm mm. sure you watched that show oh, growing course, up. Yeah. And you're also on the X Files, The Outer Limits. I mean, you've been on so many different shows, so we'll get into that shortly. But we also know you're a big MMA fan, and yeah. we we wanted to talk about this past weekend's UFC. Let yeah. Let's talk about GSP versus Hendricks. Roger, yeah. who do you who do you think won that fight? Listen, here's the rule. At the end of the day, you got to beat the champ. Now, right. now he That's got true. busted up, no question about it. But here's the thing. Even when Hendricks took him down to the end of, I think it was like the third round, he'd been dominated on the, um, on the feet for a while there. Right. Right? And so I think he squeaked out three rounds. And even though he got beat up for two of them, he squeaked out three rounds, and he, he defended his title. And it could have gone either way, I'd have been fine with it, but you can't just say it was like, oh, it was a clear-cut case. Well, I'm on with Roger because I bet 50 bucks on GSP winning. So so someone on this show is not complaining. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, but come on, Dana White shouldn't have thrown him under the bus like that. Yeah, Dana was living. That I agree with, man. I mean, that's like a private discussion. Exactly. You don't throw your champ, you know, someone made you that much money under the bus like that. Yeah, but, you know, he's done, that, he's done that in the past before, and you know, someone was asking him if he's ever been threatened by one of the fighters, like someone just yeah. wants to kick his head. I have to, I have to imagine the answer is yes to that. Because no, to no, Tito did. Oh, really? Okay, okay. That, yeah, that, 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 was when they were, that was when they were going to do that boxing match. And oh, all yeah, that. that was hilarious. That, yeah, was. That, was, that was like a publicity <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that was but, comedy. But, I mean, if I were GSP, and given how much he's done to build the UFC, because he's done a huge amount yeah. to build the UFC, he's, he's such a marketable brand, and he brings so much credibility to yeah. what a lot of people still think is a slugfest or like a tough man contest, right. that I, I thought that was a little bit – I was uh, kind of disheartened, too, when I saw him just throw him under the bus like that. I was like, it's wow. True. He's a true martial artist. He has Definitely. respect for the sport. He's disciplined. As much as like, you love like, Nick Diaz in his abilities, you know, here's a guy who's a real, could be a real hero, someone that kids can look up to, right. loves the discipline of martial arts, and you said bring res- respectability to, you know, quite a barbaric sport in most people's eyes, you know, still right. kind of, you know, caveman-ish. Right. You know, and he, made, he makes the most money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, number one thing yeah, you good. draw. But yeah. anyway, enough about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that, let's get the Houston perspective. What about Houston, Sierra? Because well, you actually, I'm, thinking just, I'm thinking just opposite. <laughs> you know, like we said, man, it could have it could have gone either way. But yeah. I said it was I said it was three two as well, but in favor of Hendricks. 
But I, I, agree with Ro- I agree with Roger. He should have finished him in that second round, definitely mm-hmm. in the third round. But that last round, I think, I don't know, man. When you get into the championship rounds, eating. in the championship yeah. rounds, you've got to make a statement whether you're the opponent or the champ. Yeah. Because now you put it in the hands of the judges, and we know there are some serious crackhead judges out there in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. I mean, they're old school, and the last thing they did, the last judging they ever did was, like, Muhammad Ali and – God, who knows when? <laughs> so, that's true. That's the they got the cataracts. They got all yeah, exactly. kinds of issues. <laughs> they never they give still, up that judging job. They never exactly. give up. They still think they're at the Rumble in the Jungle when they're in most of these fights at the UFC. Exactly. <laughs> hey, but doesn't Dana always preach it? Never leave it in the hands of the judges. Exactly. You know, yeah. so it's got, like you left it in the hands of the judges. He's the champ. You can't cry about it afterwards. Yeah, but right, right. And, and apparently, CSP had you know, he's been dealing with some emotional problems too. He's, yeah. His father is uh, has got a near death illness, and yeah. he, he has an unexpected pregnancy that also yeah. is lurking. So I mean, those those I'm not saying those should be a factor in whether he wins the fight or not, but I'm just saying that that's why I think his performance was not as crisp as it normally it's true. is. Hey and man, any of us, you know, it, I'm in a I'm in a business as well where I can't take a sick day. Right. right, you know, right. if I don't show up, we don't shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those things where when you're not ill or you got all kinds of things at your going on in your personal life, the fact is you're a professional. You got to step up and do it, but it's not always easy. Right, right. and, and that, leads me, that leads me to this question, Roger. Like, yeah. how have you been able to be so consistent and always having a gig going since '89? Because honestly. If anyone goes over to IMDb, they'll see that you've been working every year since 1989 up until now, which we know, you and I know, that is rare in Hollywood. There are some people that are struggling. One minute they got a big hit. Some people even get an Oscar, and then we never hear from them again. It's true. It happens all the time. And you know what? I've been there where it's been, like, so frustrating when you think you're at a certain point, and then all of a sudden, you know, roadblocks are thrown up for whatever reasons, Mm -hmm. and you're like, you know, I've had enough of this. But for me, I I love what I do. I, I love acting. I love the expression. I love the craft. And for, for me, it's kind of like, despite all the struggles, everything else going on, I strive to be better every time. Right. And, and that's, you know, no matter what, to this day, I still learn things. And it could be the simplest thing, even from, like, my kids now. I have two boys. Mm-hmm. And just remembering little things that they did. Or last year I was on vacation, and these people were doing, like, a local play at this all-inclusive we were at down in Mexico. And it was funny. The joy that they had going up there and the commitment they had doing this play <laughs> kind of made me go, you know, sometimes I forget that. It's just right. the sheer joy of it and doing right, it. Right, And, right. I, I, you know, I embrace it. I just keep striving to be better, and that's all I can do. And, you know, if they appreciate my work, great, I'll work. If they don't, I won't. And to this date, it's, you know, they've appreciated it, and I just keep going. I think that's an important thing. I mean, Sincere and I talk about this on our show all the time is that you, you want to find something where you can be in the moment and you really enjoy doing it and you're not so focused on the results and the accolades and all of those things because yeah. those, those should be a side effect of you just engaging in mastery in your craft rather than something that you're craving for. Yeah. And, right. and uh, that brings us to a great show you're on right now, Continuum. And, and speaking of GSP and Hendrix, yeah. I mean, Tra- Travis Burtick kicked both their asses <laughs> with one hand, all right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's got to be a fun character. I mean, I, I can tell you're having a really good time playing that character because it, it's, yeah. it's a much different role than I've seen you in, in other shows like Curtis Manning on 24, yeah. which was fantastic, too. That was a great character. Yeah. 
And and the way you got killed off on 24, I didn't care for that. But did you get killed off so early in the show? But I thought it was a very powerful way. It was a very powerful episode of 24. So they they did send you off in a powerful manner. But yeah, back to yeah. I mean, what did, what did you think actually out of curiosity when you were reading the script for 24 and, and you saw that that was going to be the next scene? <laughs> you, you know what it is. I mean, we actually talked about it before the season began. Right. Okay. There, was, there, was a, yeah. there, was, there was a discussion about me doing, you know, how many episodes, that sort of thing, and it was going to happen, and that sort of thing. And it, it, to be honest, I mean, I didn't I, – I thought it wasn't the best way to do it, but then when we were when, – when we read it, we thought, okay, cool, this could work. Yeah. W- uh, to be frank, we literally ran out of day on the day we were shooting that. <laughs> literally, it should have been a better situation if he had left the whole scene, gone to an alley somewhere – Right. Where he didn't have a choice but to, you know, shoot me to stop me. Right. And it would have right. worked out better. But we didn't have time at the end of the day, quite frankly. Nah, no, but man. your your facial expression when that facial expression of betrayal and shock was yeah. perfect. I mean, you nailed that. So that that was that was a really powerful scene in that show. And I, and I thought I thought the first four episodes of that season were the best and then it was kind of all over the place and then I thought the ending was really good of that season, but it was I thought those first four episodes you were in were excellent. But yeah, I, I, hey, Roger, uh, let me ask you this though: Do you and Mena Bennett, whenever you're on the scene, of, when you're on the set of Arrow, do you ever just say like, "Dude, which one of us do you think had the suckiest way of going out on our show?" Because <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's admit it, man. And Mike and I talk about this all the time. Uh-huh. Crixus, that was the crappiest way to kill Crixus on Spartacus. And, know, and, right? and it's so funny that both you guys are on the same show together. I'm like, okay, who had the crappiest <laughs> ending to that's their a, character? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. You know what, man? We, we, you know what it is? He's a great dude, and we enjoy the fact that we're working. We don't yeah. go on the path. We're both doing other things. Right. He's, um, you know, he actually he, another show project I'm working on, and you'll see in the new year, I'm working on Guillermo del Toro's new show, The Strain. Oh, oh, cool. Nice. And as you know, Guillermo del Toro also co-wrote yeah. The Hobbit. Yeah. Which Manu was in as the white dwarf, white, whatever, dwarf or whatever, the white right. orc. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. So, no, so we also had that we've been talking about. And, you know, I've been in, I've had to be, in, I was in Toronto shooting that. And, you know, it'll, you'll see the new year. And it's a great show, The Strain. It's crazy how Hollywood is not as big as everyone thinks it is. So yeah. many people end up crossing paths in so many different projects. Or they have all these two degrees of separation on so many projects. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. But, oh, uh, yeah. you know, one of the, the show, Continuum, uh, you play a great character, Travis Berta, on that. And that, that's a really interesting show, too, because yeah. when I think of your character, I was about to say you play a villain, but it's not really clear cut who's no. a good guy and who's a bad guy in that show. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes it so interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about Continuum and the character you play? That is what I love about the show. Um, I, I play Travis Verta, and he is from the future. And basically what the show has done, they basically said, if we continue down the path we're going with technology, social media, how it controls a lot of people's thoughts, the way they are, technology, how it manipulates things, and how big business, quite frankly, runs it all, mm-hmm. um, 60 years down the road, basically government's a thing of the past. Because they go, okay, government's BS. The corporations run the thing. Corporation of North America runs everything. They run it. They control your lives. They can manipulate you. They can erase memories because you have implants in your brains. You have all these different things going on. Right. So basically, 60 years down the road, a group of freedom fighters decide this is BS. This can't continue. So basically, our, our group, Liberate, 
decides we're going to blow up the equivalent of the United Nations kind of thing. And right. we do. We blow it up. We are about to get executed. They, you know, of course, catch us. But we also have, you know, the, the ace in a hole, if you wish. Our scientists thought, well, I can experiment with this time travel phenomenon and, you know, maybe get us back seven years ago where we can really, you know, strike a serious blow against the corporations and reverse this trend before it really gets started, before it really takes hold. Right. He kind of makes a mistake, which later on you find out might not have been a mistake, and we go back 60 years to 2012. And so since we're here, we figure, well, no time like the present to wake people up and, you know, stir them up and get them to realize what's going on in their lives. Yeah, it's right. really so interesting. We start doing stuff now. Yeah, right. it's, it's such an interesting story because some, some of the characters, some, part, some of the members of your group decide, you know what? I'm gonna. I, I know what's gonna happen in the future, so I'm gonna start making some bets, make some real money, and live yeah. the high life. <laughs> that, <laughs> what would happen? AKA, yeah, this yeah. would be the Mike Marler character. Mike, like I'm balling. That's why he bet on GSB. He knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. No, that, that would be me in a heartbeat. I won't even argue that. But then, but then, some of the other characters stay totally committed, like your character. Yeah. And then, well, he's a soldier. At the, at the end of the day, he's one of those soldiers that believes, and he's found a cause that he actually believes in, because, you know, in his background is, he was a soldier, he was used by this corporation, put together by this corporation, kind of like the Jason Bourneish kind of character, then they decide they want to toss him aside. Right, and he's right. like, screw that. So all his life, everything he's believed in has been thrown, you know, back in his face, basically saying, eh, it's nonsense, we don't need you anymore. And, you know, and the, 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 the thing, as, as you said, that makes it interesting is, they're fighting for the right things. They're fighting to say, no, you shouldn't be able to just control and manipulate people's lives and put right. them wherever you want them and do, you know, make them do what you want them to do. People should have freedom of choice. But a lot of people are so institutionalized that they never see it. Right. You mm, know, sounds and, familiar. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, kind of like Matrix. Remember when he was having that great scene where he's eating that steak? And he's yeah. like, you see this steak? <laughs> Whether it's real or not, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'd rather be in this pod sucking on it too, but think I'm eating the steak than be in the reality of knowing that everything's crap around us and fighting it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. If you go back to, let's just say, the late 80s when Terminator came out, that yeah. seems so far-fetched and so sci-fi, like, okay, that can never happen. And then you fast-forward about 10 years later, it comes The Matrix, and now we start yeah. scratching our heads like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Could this be a possibility now? You have <laughs> and the way things are going in real life right now, we're like, okay, you know what? This can yeah. happen. And, um, I know Mike mentions um, it was Ray Kurzweil. Is that, I'm saying the name right, Ray, Mike? Yeah, Ray, Ray Kurzweil, yeah. Yeah, Kurzweil, yeah. So he's, kinda, he's already hinting toward these type of situations yeah. already. So now, and then you look at Google, you throw them in the mix. Yep. <laughs> you have to wonder, like, okay, <laughs> this might be like life imitating art really, really soon here. Yeah, but listen, a friend of mine in London, as most of you people know, every, almost every corner of London is covered by CCTV. Right. Yeah. right? right. A friend of mine in London yeah. lost her purse in a, in a nightclub. Mm-hmm. They were able, through CCTV, to see who got it and was able to catch the person. That's crazy. You know, <laughs> that's, crazy. Mean, you say, that's a good thing that they were able to catch right. him, but think right. about that. That's, but yeah. that could be used you know, to, exactly. for the wrong thing. <laughs> like now they're making yeah. flat screen TVs that can actually – what you're doing 
Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, I told my wife, we'll never upgrade our TV, ever. We're going to have this, this gonna be the last television we ever buy. It can be 20 years from now. It can be decrepit, decrepit, but I am not buying another flat screen TV ever. Let me tell you something. Have you, do you, do either you have Xbox Connect at home? Oh, then, well, my brother-in-law does, and he said that. He's like, yeah, the light just came on one day. I was just about to say, oh, I, man, I, I swear to God, that thing moved. I was like, what were you doing at the time? <laughs> what, what motions were you doing to set that light yeah. off? That's like, <laughs> I can't discuss that, but all I'm saying is there's nothing to stop them from using that technology to spy on you in your house. Exactly. Uh, I mean, they can do it with your smartphones now with these two-way cameras that's on your hands. Exactly. So, well, you I have mean, no idea they're watching you if, you if they really wanted to. Exactly. Even with, <laughs> even with Google Maps, I mean, you could type in the address of my house right now, and then yeah. you would get a, you would get a screenshot of the top of right my there. house, my yeah. yard, my front yard, my front street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, Google Earth is, is really changing things, and you see that that bloody vehicle driving around. You're like, I know. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you almost want to you almost want to start throwing rocks at that vehicle when you see it driving through your neighborhood. <laughs> You see, and, and then they would call you a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what makes Continuum so interesting is that yeah. when, you first watch, when you first watch it, let's say the first or second episode, you're like, okay, this girl's the good guy. These are the bad guys. Yeah. And then as the show goes on, you're like, wait a minute. What she is doing is, is fighting for the corporation. So what's yeah. about her? And these guys, were, their, end, their, their means may be – Controversial, controversial, but, but yeah, but their ends are their ends make sense, and yeah. why they're fighting this system makes sense too. And exactly. the, the eerie thing about it is how, like you said, how we're already going in that direction yeah. of where government will become obsolete, and then yeah. corporations just run the whole show, and that's basically what's happening already. Of course, it, but we, it's, just, yeah. it's just not as blatant as like on that show. It's like, look, this is now we all know that like the it's all out in the. It's all out in the open. Exactly. Right now, right now, it's all behind the scenes. Like they're 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 the puppet masters. People people really have to try and bind themselves not to. Let's let's even healthcare. Let's be honest. I mean, the only people that don't like healthcare are the insurance corporations. But they've manipulated most people into thinking it's a bad thing. Right. Right. And so all of a sudden, these people are fighting against it. Something that I was playing ball up in North Hollywood, and with a bunch of cats that, frankly. They were talking about it, and I looked at them. I go, "What are you talking about?" I go, "Let's be honest. If something happens to me, I can pay for it. You, on the other hand, you need help." <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't being trying to be a dick. I was just like, "But think about that." I go, "Here's a you know guy who's saying, here, I'm going to try and help you, so you can go to the hospital if you think something's wrong. Instead of waiting, all of a sudden you faint somewhere, and then they got to take you in a surgery, and then you lose everything. Right. You know, you well, know, well, not, not, not a bigger subject, but no, but yeah, we know, that's an interesting one though, because what is, what a lot of insurance companies have done is just purposely racked up their rates as an excuse, right? They're going, yeah. well, this is about to happen, so we're going to increase our rates. Exactly. And that, exactly. so what happens is those of us that pay insurance to have our own insurance, we see our rates go up, and the initial thing is to get irritated and say, yeah. oh, it's because of this. It's because of Obamacare. Let's blame it. I'm like, no, Blue Cross is being greedy. That's what I said when I got my letter. Exactly, exactly. They're just using it as an excuse. People got to look at the rest of the world. All across Europe, even in Canada, universal health care saved a lot of people. um, Saved a lot of people. And actually, it saved money in the long run. It's proven the rest of the world. Don't tell me it's not going to work in America with all the money and all the resources and people we have there. That's, that's the reason why it won't work. It's too much money going into the wrong pocket. That's it. That's the thing. That's so, it. That's, that's yeah. been the biggest fight. 
Shoot, Jimmy Carter said this back in the day about, yeah. you know, changing the system because it doesn't work. Right. And he's never been able to do it. No one's been able to do it till now, and now they're still going to fight against it. And they'll manipulate people into believing, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, scream at them. Because, as you said, people want someone to blame. I blame the ones who were getting my money, and that was the insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can only blame the dude I handed my money to, and then there I blame myself if I continue to keep giving him my money. So Then you <laughs> sound smarter than most of the people out there, not, you know, like, not insulting people. Don't know but. Me. Yeah. Republicans don't know me. Obama doesn't know me, but no. Luke Cross knew me. <laughs> Some people are being very opportunistic, too. Because, I, mean, I, was oh, at my yeah. vet, I was at my vet's office, and he yeah. had this sign up saying, oh, by the way, our rates are going to go up because of Obamacare. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I was like, I was like why, are, why are the rates for my dogs going up because of Obamacare? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what's crazy. Like, you know, I mean, and the corporation, they're, they're brilliant, too. I mean, even like things, where, where do you guys live? I'm in Texas. Mike's in Vegas. Yeah, you know, but do you guys have to like pay for your plastic bags in like the stores here and stuff like that? Well, in well Austin, in Austin, Texas, they've banned the plastic bags now. But what they're trying to do here in Houston, they're moving towards kind of telling everybody like you might want to buy your own bag and reuse it. And here, yeah. once you just go ahead and buy it for a dollar, and you know, my wife's being Miss Eco-Friendly, you yeah. know how many freaking bags we have in the back of our car? I'm like, you know what? <laughs> exactly. You're becoming a bag hoarder. Stop it. And we never use them when we go into the store. Because maybe exactly. I, won't, I don't want that. I want paper. <laughs> I don't even want but, that. But you, exactly. But, but think about this, though. And when they came to my door, you know, like, asking about it, I go, okay, tell me this. What do you put your garbage in? they like, Crash. garbage bags. <laughs> yeah, garbage bags. I go, but what are they made of? Plastic. Yeah. I go, why don't you use your grocery bags as garbage bags? <laughs> because because it's some people going by they buy glad garbage bags and they pay for plastic when they have free plastic that they could have put it in anyway. You got a box full of it, especially if you go someplace like Costco or Sam, yeah. some of the big warehouse stores. You got like 500 trash bags, and but the trash only gets picked up once a week. So what? You got 500 weeks worth of trash you got going on right there. So you yeah, once you double up. Yeah, you know what I mean? And there's, you know, you just, like, reuse stuff, and you've made sense. But I'm not, you know, <laughs> there's some huge things we can get into. But the fact is, now they have the corporation saying it's bad, and they basically get the kids behind it because they know, especially the college kids, they fight against it, and they're the ones that went out and, you know, got everyone to sign up and started the campaign. And it's a great thing. It's so true. People use too much plastic, all that sort of thing. Right. But, you know, the whole idea is people are sound like, just use your common sense. Yeah. Right, and there's no either there's no either or in these situations. There's just so much in between. Because I mean, the same plastic they're trying to ban you from using to get your groceries is the same plastic they're putting into your food and into yeah. your medicine and poisoning you with. So oh, they, yeah. So it's just exactly. like, come on, there's no either or. It's going somewhere. Oh, definitely. And the bank's telling you, oh, go paperless, save the environment. Yet till every day they send you how many things about can buy our credit card. <laughs> And market to you. Right. Every other day, man. Every other day. <laughs> God help you if you have good credit, because they're going to harass you. That's well, what I'm saying. Every they, day. They, they don't even know what to do with that when you have good credit. Because oh, my I don't, God. I don't have any debts whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing. You know, I have a nice surplus. So, I mean, these credit card cool. companies, well, when I used to have a landline, I got rid of it. But they used to call me up and say, hey, do uh, you have any balance transfers you want to make, and you can do this and that. I'm like, no, nah, I don't have any debts whatsoever. Oh, they straight up send me the, send and, the and they don't know what to, do to transfer it. <laughs> yeah, the check, that's the worst. <laughs> I always laugh when you get that, you get these 10, ten blank checks yeah. in the mail. I was like, that's a bad idea right there. <laughs> it <laughs> really is. But they know people will use it. Get yeah, know, people are going to write a check to themselves for 10 grand, and then we have like a 10% interest rate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, man. That's a bad idea. 
there right there. Exactly, but they know people are going to do it, and they make money. And at the end of the day, it's not about saving environment half of them. It's about money, and you wish no, it was all right. altruistic and all, but, yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> now, what's interesting about Continuum also is that, you know, right now, the food supply is on its way to being owned by Monsanto, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's already in motion, and it's, it, it's very hard to stop that powerful corporate machine because all the politicians are in bed with Monsanto as well. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was what I was thinking about when I watched Continuum is like, wow, we're not that far from where this show says we're going to go. That's what's mm-hmm. kind of eerie about the whole thing when we're watching it. And then that, that's what makes it so interesting again, though, is that the, the protagonist is, is like, is she really on the right side here? Yeah. And when you're looking at the bad guys, are they really the bad guys here? That's what makes the show complex. And you never yeah. know what characters are going to do. Like uh, yeah. you, you and your love interest on the show, Sonia. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, she cut a statue in the back, right? Yeah, like, she did. She stabbed you in the back by shooting you in the gut. <laughs> in the chest, about four shots, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Uh, the last thing you said is, you're so hot before you died. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like, was that piece of ass worth it? No. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> famous last words. Famous last words of many men, right there, man. Like, what? <laughs> yep, exactly. It's our. That's our life, isn't it? <laughs> no. What? What? Uh, what? Are, what do you draw upon when you play Travis and Continuum? Or what are some of the maybe some of the characters you've read about in real life, or something you've played in the past? Is there something that kind of you pull up, pull upon to play the Travis character? Honestly, I I pull upon a lot of things I've seen. I've I've been. Even when I did something like, like um, I did a movie years ago, The Tailhook Scandal, where I played like the, basically the only soldier. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's like the bunch of, they have this symposium and a conference basically in Vegas every year with all the top, like, you know, top guns and those kind of guys that get together. And it's basically turned into a debaucherous party kind right. of thing. And this one lady, she, you know, she was a soldier and she didn't think that would happen. And she, said, she sued them for sexual assault. And I played uh, the first soldier that went on trial for it. Right. And in talking to some of these cats, they go, listen, man, here's the reality. We could be dead tomorrow. We're sitting here with you right now having this great conversation. Next thing we get a call, we have to go on some mission somewhere. Guess what? We're dead. And we know that's a possibility. So we have to live each day to the fullest. And we take orders and we go. And so I, I look at that, those kind of people. And I also look at the reality of the situation. Reality, as you said, of where we're going and the frustrations of people that do anything about it. And this guy's like, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. You've given me tools that you shouldn't have given me. You've right. enhanced me and given me the capability of doing things that, you know, no man should be able to do. But you loved it when I was your weapon. How right. about it turning on you? How are you going to like that? And right. just draw on that and just, you know, I've been blessed that I was allowed to build a character into this. Because initially he was written a bit more, um, he was a bit written well, but a bit more one-dimensionally. And talking with the writer-creator, Simon Barry, who was brilliant, he just said, oh, let's run with this. And he went with it. And, uh, you know, I thank him for all the great stuff he writes. And it's, it's, it's great, man. When you that's cool. played other characters in the past, how easy has it been to be in that same situation where you see something that's going on with the character and the way the characters develop, and you have to kind of pull the writers aside, like, hey, man, do you think that we could do this? And how receptive have those writers been in the past? Or have you run into those roadblocks and they're like, no, this you is know, how he's going to be. That's the thing. Some, some shows, I mean, like, some shows, and I'm not going to start, you know, naming shows, you can't change a comma. You know, they're oh, like, wow. no, we've had writers spending a lot of time writing this, and 
We need to respect their words. And, and then sometimes <laughs> they go, okay, tell you what, we'll give you one year away, but do it our way. And you know they're going to use their way. But right. <laughs> you, you know, floor, baby. Chop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you, you pick your battles, and you're, that's what makes you appreciate. And I'm, I really appreciate being on a show like this where it is very, very, very much – they, they welcome those ideas. And uh, even 24, you know, one of the great things John Kassar said when he was directing one of the um, episodes early, he goes, listen, you give me an idea. If it's a great idea, I'm going to look good because it's going to make the show better. If it's bad, I'm going to tell you we're not going to use it. But if you come up with something great and you can think of something, bring it. Right. You know? And so it's, it's great when you're in that collaborative effort because it is a craft. It is an art. And the writers are writing the whole, you know, the whole picture the great big picture mm-hmm. my job is coming for this very specific part of that picture so i'm looking in my character in a lot much in much more detail than they will you know and so i'm going to see things yeah. from my my character's perspective in a much clearer light than they will in most cases exactly exactly yeah. no doubt. so well that's that's the other thing too and i think i think a good writer or director will respect that right because you're yeah. really in getting it when someone's really getting into the character and they're going to make it better than what you imagined, I think a smart writer-director is going to want to run with that. Exactly. That's what they should. And in, so in the, the case of the great shows, and you know, they are very receptive to it and they go with it. Some of the other shows, there's still some great shows out there that also that have talented writers that you know, don't want people. Because there's a lot of people come up with a lot of you know, BS ideas and throw tantrums if they don't get their way, that sort of thing. Yes, it happens. And, you know, when you see, you see that, you're kind of like, no, 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 it's a collaborative thing. And the best thing is whoever's running the show, whether it be the producer or the director, mm-hmm. his job kind of likes it to keep everyone happy in a sense. Yeah, he's amazing. And pick the best ideas of each thing and know how to tell you that, okay, that's a great idea, but it won't work for this reason. And keep everyone flowing in the same direction and steering that ship down the right path. Right. right. It's never been a situation where you receive a script and you just read through and you're like, Oh hell yes! I have to have this role. And then there's been a script like, "Are you are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, bro, you, want, I, you want me to do what? <laughs> let me tell you something. It's been 20 years. Yep. <laughs> and yep. It's like you're gonna you're gonna be Audubon's roommate on Oz. Well, you know, I, was, no, I, I wasn't gonna bring it up. I wasn't gonna bring it up. I wasn't you gonna know? bring it up. This one, this one, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, I do know where you're going with that. But seeing that I was a DJ in the past, you know, there was a character that you played on a certain show. I mean, <laughs> when I first saw, I, I was like, oh. He's on the L word, but yeah. not, in the capacity that, not in the capacity that I would want to be on the L word. Okay. <laughs> I think it shows your dedication as an actor. Exactly. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a professional. But you know what? Uh-huh. Worst things have happened because being Reigns has been in drag and so has yeah. Wesley Snipes. Nothing <laughs> can be go. worse. Nothing can be worse than Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> and being Reigns. He is an ugly woman, isn't he? Dude, to, or, to watch Bing Rames walk in heels is painful. Oh, so, my I mean, God. Hey, man, I had to learn to dance in those heels. That was crazy. <laughs> I'd be doing no dance way. numbers. I broke the heel, actually, on one of them. <laughs> they had to, like, special custom make them for me. Hey, man. God bless women, dude. They, they go agree. through a lot of pain to look good. I agree. I'm like, why? It hurts. You know, what's funny, you know what's funny, guys, though, is that in Vegas now, someone came up with this brilliant business idea is that outside of a lot of clubs now in Vegas, they have these vending machines where, where women can buy basically Look. disposable shoes to wear yeah. because their heels are destroyed from wearing high heels all night. Yeah, walking it down was the hilarious. Yeah. 
It was hilarious. That's brilliant. Yeah, there's, there's a company, they have those, they're like the foldable things that hold yeah. smaller than a little wallet that you can actually throw in your purse mm-hmm. and <laughs> reuse them. And girls have them at the end of the night. They're like, <laughs> instead of walking Honestly. through that nasty ass hotel with yeah. your barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After a UFC fight. Cause you know what I'm saying? And then jumping in your bed. Put your feet dangle off the side of the bed if you don't you don't have to use the bed, okay? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Roger, I'm curious what you think of the whole reality TV phenomenon because you're, you're a legitimate actor, meaning that you actually have a craft and you act in a show. Now there's people that are famous for, for, for just being buffoons or famous for yeah. nothing. And and that's taken over a lot of television. Is Bro, I'm telling you, you know, we were just talking about it because I'm sure you heard about Mayor Ford in Toronto. Oh, the, oh, the, come on, um, the new um, D.C. mayor, but he's in Toronto now. He's the new yeah. Marion Barry. <laughs> exactly, the new Marion Barry. Smoke crack, whatever it is. Yeah, I smoke and, crack, man. He's going to get rewarded because he has a, has a radio show. Now he's going to get a TV show. Seriously? Oh, wow. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of like we are witnessing the decline of Western civilization. That book had it a little wrong, but they were right. Because, yeah. you know, basically what it is saying to kids with the Jersey Shore folks and the Kardashians and all that, it's kind of like yeah. do bad stuff. You'll get rewarded for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it's will make you a ter- Exactly, yeah, and it's a terrible it's example. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. agree. Yeah, I have no problem with the voice showing off talents and stuff like that, yeah. or people want to show someone's job that's you know interesting. That sort of reality thing is great. I mean, it's it's what it is, and it's always been there. But I, I, um, I think it was someone that said this a long time ago. There's a difference between being a celebrity and being an actor. It's a completely right. different thing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the 90s when so all of a sudden you had all these rappers that started to act in movies and take major roles. Yeah. And if I remember right, I remember, I believe it was um, um, Samuel Jackson. I know Bill Cosby. All these guys were so upset when you had rappers like Ice Cube. And, yeah. and it, it, took some, it took someone like Will Smith and LL Cool J to kind of bring some legitimacy you know, to rappers yeah. making that crossover. And then you had Queen Latifah. But... For a while there, you had everyone make movies. DMX, I mean, come on, man. DMX. Oh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> DMX uh, just barks his lines. Yeah. And Aaliyah. So if you have a movie with Jet Lee, and there's Aaliyah, and then there's DMX. That's a caliber cast right there, man. Hey, man, let's put it this way. I mean, you have a movie where you have Al Pacino and all these other guys, and then you throw in um, 50 Cent. I mean, nothing against them. <laughs> but don't get me started on that, because I've had, uh, I've had so many stop, things right? that happened regarding that and have been told. So I was out, for, I was out with some friends for a friend's birthday, mm-hmm. and we were having a good night. We are having a great time. We, bottles were flowing, everything. It was a you know, good birthday party. And this guy comes up, he's a producer for Michelle, and he was like, Oh man, Roger, sorry that didn't work out. But you understand, you know, when we hire these rappers, you get the track and this and that with it and that. I'm like, let me guess, a Saturday night, I'm having a good time, and you want to bring that up? Just <laughs> <laughs> <It's> killing <laughs> Just ruining my high, man. But but basically, you know, and it, to, that's what you realize. To some, it's just a business, mm-hmm. and all they care about is the numbers. They don't care about the craft. They don't care about this. And at the end of the day, yes, you need to make money to keep your job. But what's wrong with doing both? Right. right. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing both. And if someone's good, most deaf is another, you know, rapper, actor that's, you know, does Actually a great thing. Talent. Common is getting there. Yeah, he, Common's getting there. He's working on it. So I think yeah. what happens is you have some guys, 
and I used to work in the industry with a lot of these guys, and their work ethic was already there when they were in the music industry. They would put on the grind. They wouldn't just try to put out garbage just to make another album. Yeah. So, and they carried that work ethic over. LL, that dude has been working hard since he was 15. Yeah. He's been grinding. He, I'm just to bust his ass to get up there with some of the top entertainers before he even yeah. crossed over into movies and television. So yeah. these guys, they take it seriously. But then you have someone, I mean, you may argue with me if you ever came on the show, but then you have someone like T.I. or Master P. I'm yeah. like, how, how serious are you as an actor? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. So well, it's all about money. It's all about <laughs> people finding a new way to make me money, and it's just another hustle. Yeah, it's exactly. kind of like a novelty type thing, right? It's like, let's yeah. throw this guy in there so people are like, huh, I wonder what that'll be like. And it's actually done a disservice in a lot of ways because, frankly, now, like, everyone wants everyone to sound the same. They want everyone to sound like they're from South Central. Right. <laughs> think, well, you know, well, you don't really sound black. And it's kind of like, <laughs> what does that sound like? <laughs> so. No, seriously, I had people on even 24 saying, oh, you have the whitest black people there. And I'm like, okay, so you would like the guy playing the president of the United States to go, yo, motherfucker, yeah. part of my French <laughs> there, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you have to say, we are diverse people. We're diverse just like anyone else. We're going to have people that are ghetto. We're going to have people that are, okay, here's something I've asked people. I don't want to say this. Is it wise or intelligent for any group of people, whether it be a city, a town, a country, or any society, any grouping of people, to, to take the poorest, most violent, least educated, frankly least desirable segment of their group, their society, and hold that up as a gold standard? Right. No, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to other cultures now. So for a while during the 90s, well, actually forever since the beginning of time when it came to acting from the Chitlin circuit on back yeah. to the early 1900s, you know, for a while it was just limited to African Americans, but now when you have things like Duck Dynasty, you got Honey Boo Boo, yeah. you, you got Preppers. <laughs> yeah. So it's now it's now hopped over into the trailer park. That's what I'm it's going from our hood to the other hood it's on the other true. side of the railroad track. Right. Here's the difference: people can laugh and say, "Oh, well, they're just an exception to the rule." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? They're just these, these rednecks down there, and they're allowed to be different. Whereas when you're black. All of a sudden, they go, well, what's your problem? You got an issue being black because you want to talk like you're intelligent or something? You know what I mean? It's kind of like people going, if you don't sound like Honey Boo Boo and the rest of them, you ain't being real white people. You's just trying to be bougie. You's trying to be educated, want to go around the world. And You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be the same kind of thing as saying you're not keeping it real if you don't sound like trailer park trash. Yeah, yeah how exactly. did you, and we're talking about that, like how have you had to deal with that? I and mean, you always hear the yeah, issue exactly. about there's exactly. not enough black actors in Hollywood with major roles, but I just saw... When I was in the airport yesterday, um, it was a, I was Forrest Whitaker on the cover. I can't remember which magazine, but pretty much how the, the headline said how black males are taking over Hollywood. And I'm looking at that cover like, okay, that's one way to try to get me to buy the magazine, but <laughs> I, I know better. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a ridiculous concept. But, you know, I've had to – I've turned down some roles in my time where I thought I have no problem playing a villain. Or someone who's, you know, you know, whatever. I've had no problem playing bad guys, hood rats, whatever you want to call it, that sort of thing. But when it doesn't make any sense whatsoever what I'm doing, what the actions are, I mean, if I'm playing a pimp, no problem. i got no problem with that. But I remember this movie in particular. Hired me. He, the guy was a pimp. He was going to be this. He was going to help the lady, you know, get back in touch with her daughter, that sort of thing. Then... They're like, well, you know, there are too many storylines. As if they want to cut it down, we'll understand if you don't want to do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. Because basically he got, you know, reduced to just this cliche pimp coming in, slapping a bitch kind of thing, smacking a hoe, 
Hey, yo, what the fuck you want kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, thank you. I, I will pass on it. Right. And they were shocked. Like, what? You don't want to be a pimp? You, Have you, you know, like, did you not see Hustle and Flow? You can get an Oscar for this. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's but, hard but, out but here for a pimp. Come on, Ron. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. No, and I, that's what I said. But I signed on for the movie when, it, when the guy had some redeeming qualities and he, you know, had something to do. Right. Yes. But if you just run, yeah. I was busy at the time. I'm like, I I don't need to do this right now. <laughs> That's what's right. cool. Like, dude, do you understand? I work for the Secret Service on X Men. <laughs> yeah. I am I am working with the counterintelligence <laughs> unit. I'm like, dude, what would make you think I want to go around and slap a girl up and <laughs> with a forty in my hand? Yeah. <laughs> Driving yeah. a Cadillac. That's also what's cool about Continuum coming back to that is that the character you play, your race is irrelevant. You know, that's not a yeah. factor. And also in the future, that's also irrelevant. Like that, yeah. that's, a, that's a non-issue now. Now it's like the government's taking over and that's yeah. a problem and so forth. There's, there's bigger concerns. Oh, and exactly. With, and without, without ever bringing it up, which is what I really like about it. Yeah. So, so they just let you come to that conclusion on your own. But what's great about that, that's kind of where we're going now with these next generations. Because first of all, you hard-pressed to find someone that is just truly African-American or just yeah. truly Mexican-American. We're all becoming so Mixed. integrated now. And we're having yeah. all these cross cultures. So it's going to really come to a point. I know there's some people listening to the show like, nope, it's not going to happen. But it's going to come to the point where, I mean, they're already adding new categories to applications. Yep. It's going beyond <laughs> other. Those, those check boxes are getting a little lengthy now. It's like, well, African-American, non-white. <laughs> hey, wait a what, what, was, what was the old girl's name that said, I'm Blasian on that show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chi- 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 yeah. Chinese, bro. Yeah. I'm Chinese, bro. <laughs> Chinese, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was Monique. Yeah, that, Monique, that's that, right. Yeah, that was hilarious, man. I saw her live doing that thing. It was hilarious. She's yeah. hilarious. And, but, it's so, but it's true, though. Everyone's going to be mixed with everyone. And actually, strangely enough, that was the original concept of the show, mm-hmm. um, 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 Continuum. He wanted everyone, uh, a lot of pe- he wanted a lot of mixed race people in it, because he's oh, like, okay. in, the, in the future, six years from now, we will be mixed. Exactly. Right. Right. Like no, it or not, and those who want to fight against it can fight against it all they want. Their daughters are still going to run out and mess around. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, you know, two of my three kids, they're mixed. There okay. you go. And and let's be honest, Roger, African Americans we're all mixed. I don't yep. care what we say. <laughs> and I'm from Jamaica first and foremost. The motto exactly. is out of many one people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We know how to propagate. <laughs> <laughs> no, just just talking about you know, just talking about just a- ethnicity and race when it comes to Hollywood. Do you feel that that limits a lot of the roles? that you're able to get because people automatically say, okay, we need a black guy. Let's get Roger to come in for this role. Or is yeah, it, it does, you've, been, you've been good at picking roles that where you're not stuck in that. So I'm just curious right. how difficult that is. You know, let me say this. I mean, I'm not going to say what show it was, but it was a show in for, and um, they basically, they loved me for the show. It was going to be great. And then a rather large name movie star decided he was gonna. Um, then also, we don't hear anything for a few weeks for like what's going on. I have quite a large name <laughs> in the industry decided to take the role, and I'm not. I can let y'all figure out however you figure it out. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I cannot argue with that. That's great. I go, but there's this other great gig in it, whatever. And frankly, my manager goes, well, Roger, let's be honest. They're not gonna put two black guys in major lead roles in the same show. Right. 
It really it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, we got the token black on the show. We don't need another one. So it's just, it's just yeah. one for show. You know, like yeah, that yeah, kind of get, like get them in the room and whoever is best get the gig. I, I guess that's what I'm asking in a, in a more diplomatic way. Is it, yeah. is, it, is it still very racist in Hollywood? Is that, is that something you deal with quite a bit? Um, let's face it. This business, quite frankly, is very racist and sexist. Okay, yeah. I mean, they, okay. they, it's controlled by middle-aged Caucasian men. For the right. most part, right. who make the rules, and it's it's what it is. But I can't, I don't worry about those things. Right, right. You know, you you're gonna come across it. It is what it is. All right. I can do is, as I said, I've been blessed that I've been able to um, getting rooms that, as you said, the character wasn't written for black actor or this or that. Right. Even Travis wasn't written one way or the other. No, no. And actually, and Travis, Travis Berta, definitely not. Even Curtis Manning, definitely not. You know, those, no. those were roles that you made your own. It wasn't like, okay, we need a we need a black CTU agent. Let's get exactly. him. Yeah, so he can go undercover in the hood and find a terrorist <laughs> hang out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm like, get those South Central terrorists. I'm like, those are called Bloods and Crips, man. Those are, <laughs> there you fine. go. Well, what I liked about 20, your role of Curtis in 24 and Travis and Continuum is that it, race is never a factor, right? There's never like an yeah. argument between you and Jackson. Oh, you don't understand, Jack. You're white you know like anything exactly. like that and you they don't never, need it yeah you don't you don't you don't it's stuff like it. that it's just so placed and it's so trivial yeah. and it, it's just it's, a, it's just a distraction and that, that's what i like about shows like that and, and the characters you've had on those shows is that yeah that and i love that too man i said both my kids are mixed and the whole thing and my whole thing about the world i want them to grow up in is where like as you said you know there's a guy that had this dream and um, exactly. <laughs> we want my kids to be judged by the content of their character, you right. know, because right. I know a lot of, you know, blacks and a lot of whites that are good, great people and a lot of them that are assholes. And so I don't care about the color of your skin. I care about what you want to do and how you want to screw me over or take care of me. Right. right. <laughs> Being an asshole knows no color. It's an equal opportunity employer. So. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Very <laughs> much for uh, how long it took you to become a full-time working actor where this is your only gig. You don't have to do anything else on the side. And, and what you were doing before you decided to become an actor. Right. Oh, man, that's a huge, long story. Frankly, I, mean, <laughs> I, I was a commercial pilot. Really? Really? I was a commercial wow. pilot. I, thought I, went, I went to school and studied aviation and business. Wow. wow. And got a degree wow. because I went to like Trinity Western University where they, you, know, you could incorporate the two. And that was my goal that was my thing to be a commercial pilot i did, i acted but it was a side gig it was fun i grew up doing it in like church plays and then doing theater and it was just fun for me i didn't i never considered it a career long story short i mean when i was you know when i graduated and i was going for jobs and i was working at like for the skylink air services on the on tarmac and occasionally getting you know trying to get flight hours and that sort of thing um I did some, you know, acting on the side, and it was fun. Went out for this movie to go shoot in China. Ended up getting it. I'm going, oh, so I take a couple of months, go shoot this movie in China. While I'm in China, I almost die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I was, there was a kung fu team I was training with over there, oh. and I was loving it. And, you know, on our, one of our days, I do this World War II picture movie where, you know, I'm, we could have died at any moment, explosions everywhere. No, that's not where I get in trouble. I get in trouble on a day off. Right? <laughs> they take me to the temple in um, in some southern China. That was great. And then our Sifu says, you know, called me, and I instead of going up and going across the bridge like you sh a sane person would have, I decided to hop across these rocks across this river, 
<laughs> hit a moss covered <laughs> rock. I'm going down river, blah blah right. blah, struggling to get up to the shores. <laughs> Grab a rock, they pull me out. Frankly, I look across and you know the tree. I remember Ray came up beside me, goes, "Isn't that the tree we pulled you out?" I'm like, "Yeah." If he hadn't pulled me out, I would have gone off this cliff. I'd have been a dead man. <laughs> wow. I'd have gone off the 400 foot waterfall. You wow. know, and I don't know if you've been through that, but when you have a life or death experience, it makes you, it wakes you up. Oh yeah, yeah I've had, I've had a few. <laughs> so, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And then you know, yeah. So literally a few days later, I was doing my death scene in the movie, and it really hit home for me what it truly meant to let this character take life and give it life because I could understand what this guy was going through that he's about to sacrifice his life and how fragile life really is because at the time I'm shoot I'm 21 I thought I'm bulletproof yeah. <laughs> yeah, <don't> we all? <laughs> yeah you know so and on the way back with a discussion with one of the guys I'm like you know I like this acting thing I'm going to give it a year and see what happens and then you know then if it doesn't pan out I'm going right back to my flying and so I was trying to fly on the side and then I came back I uh, said, so I think on um, Wise Guy, the very final episode of that. Did a thing on Jump Street. And I, I've been blessed. I've been working since. I've been working since. I mean, I've had other jobs bouncing and, you know, at the restaurant and all that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I've Mike. been able to take care of myself since I started. Is it still a struggle sometimes? Meaning that, like, let's say after you finished 24, how long did it take until you got your next gig? Or was there, was there a gap between... That gig and the that's next what, one. That's what was funny because, you know, you think after that, you know, everyone's like, oh, the world's going to be yours kind of thing. But no, because all of a sudden <laughs> people are, are kind of going, well, one, he's gotten more expensive because he's been on this hit <laughs> yeah. show. And, which is what yeah. happens with after Oscars sometimes. People call the Oscar jinx right. for yeah. some people. They almost kind of price themselves out of markets. And people are like, well, I've seen you in that great roles. I don't want to see you in anything else. Right. right. And, and it happens. I, I, we, the night my episode was on, when we were uh, for when my death scene on that show, we were at the Golden Globes and it was the after party and um, they had a suite upstairs and we were there and there's this the executive producer from another show that was you know there and he's like you know my advice to actors when they've had a good run on a show is just disappear for a while and let us rediscover you as he's talking about building his brand new forty eight thousand square foot home. <laughs> <laughs> So and I'm like, say, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I understand what you're saying and all that, but reality is I still need to work because I haven't gotten to that point. And at the time, I've just started my family. I'm like, yeah, you know, started my family, and I, I, I need to work is what it is. And I, besides, I love what I do. I don't want to go quit and be a carpenter for a while. That's, right. that's not what I do. <laughs> Right, so, like, I'm at Home Depot, and I was like, hey, man, you look like that dude. Hey, you look like 24, man. Exactly. You don't go shoot me, are you? You know what I mean? It's and so it, 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 sometimes it is. And then, and, then we, and at the time, too, we said, yes, let's be pickier. Let's find the role that we really want to do. And um, we can't just take anything. And I agree with that. And then, then I'm, you know, this, producer, this director friend of mine was saying, and goes, Raj, all you can do. It's to keep working. Love you love what you do. Keep working and just work. I'm like, you're right. Let's. I like being picky, but let's work. And so I just said, no, let's work, and that's it. Good. And how do you balance working consistently and balance that with family? Oh, that's a tough gig. 
Because, you know, especially when the kids are young and you have kids, you know what it is. When you're away from home, Hard, it's man. the toughest kid. And, when you, you know, when your son's like, when are you coming home? Why aren't you here? It's kind of like, I'm making a better life for you. <laughs> <laughs> you may not know it now, but. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I'm great. I have a really great lady who, you know, is very supportive. And, you know, my kids, are they're, they're very understanding. So when I leave, they understand, as sad as it may be. And they are, they make my life wonderful they make they make it all worthwhile at the end of the day you know before it was all about me or whatever now it's kind of like it's about them yeah know? speaking of your kids i'm pretty sure they like the fact that you've done more than just movies I also thought you did video games as well man yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> one of the funniest situations that my nephew i remember he used to watch this you know one of his favorite shows this time was um nascar racers that i did a cartoon i did years ago Right, and then you know he doesn't care about anything else I've done, and his dad's like, "Well, you know, Uncle Roger's on that." And I'm like, the president. No. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Uncle Roger. And then I did the voice, and his face just lit up. It was it was amazing. So that's awesome, man. Who are, who are some of your inspirations as an actor? Who do you look up to, or influenced you along the way? I go back to the great Sidney Poitier. Yeah, uh, and you know Can't what he that. was able to do back then, and the dignity in which he did it. Absolutely, know, coming to dinner to serve with love, all those those kind of shows. Yeah, uh, it, it inspires me to this day. Um, Denzel, I, I I love his stuff. Um, you know, you you go to all the different things. Deep Cover is one of my favorite movies. Oh man, that's a great movie. Like, you know, it, with yeah. all that, you know, I, I mean, and 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 just and the crossover too. Watching Al Pacino, watching Robert De Niro, watching these guys do these amazing gigs and these yeah. great roles. It, it just makes you kind of go, I want to do that. Right. Yeah. You have someone like Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. They can even do a black exploitation film and make it yeah. classy. Like, yeah. <laughs> and make it classy. It's, you don't even realize you're watching a black exploitation. It's like, okay, this is just a great movie. <laughs> of Sound Saturday Night. This is a classic. Then you realize, like, wait a minute, this is a hood movie. Because <laughs> it, it has J.J. in it. It has Jimmy Walker in it. Playing you know what I mean? But they just do how ghetto is this movie? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's kind of like you can bring class to whatever you do, and that that's that's the key right there. And you know, whether you want to say it's not selling out or whatever it is, you know, you 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 just gotta make the make decisions you can sleep with at night. Exactly. There it is. I think yeah. that's business one. Now, Roger, you're also a very fit guy. You know, you're 47, I believe, and you no. know, He's like, wait, they lied to you. No, that I had it wrong. I'm 64 and 69. Oh, you're 69 now. Okay, I got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did. No, was, you know what's so strange about that? It happened um, that I think it was on, no, it, it happened on, um, I think it's one of the sites that had me born 67. And, dude, to get them to change that, saying you guys got it wrong, was a pain in the butt. <laughs> so yeah, we're changing it. So it's 47. Huh? You just got some secrets going on here. No, I'm, I'm 44. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie about my age. There's no need. I'm 44 in that case is not as impressive, so we won't. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> no, but you're, you're a very fit guy, and um, yeah. I'm curious, is there a training regimen that goes along with for your character in Continuum, or is there something you do on your own to stay fit and healthy? I've always done stuff on my own, but yeah. um, for Continuum, I have gotten a bit more into, I wouldn't call it CrossFit, I'd say more cross-training. 
right. type right. deal. And I also, you know, we've had to get back into some of the martial arts and that sort of thing because he fights quite a bit. And so I've, I've taken a training a little bit more. No more sparring or any of that nonsense for me. But <laughs> 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 that's a young man's thing. Yeah, getting hey, get uh, hit not much fun. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, I remember you loving that, being able to just, you know, boom, and getting in there with the boys, mixing it up, but it's kind of like, eh, I, I'm, I, you know, too grown for that now. So, <laughs> but yeah, I cross-train, I play ball whenever I get a chance, because I'd much rather go out there and play basketball or volleyball, beach volleyball, I love beach volleyball, huh? cool. and stuff, so I'd rather go play ball for a couple of hours, and that sort of thing, than go to the yeah. gym, frankly. Sure, sure, yeah, so totally understandable. Excellent. Yeah, we you know, know what's funny is, is get you and I, I, I got to get into more of my kettlebell stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll 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 hook you up with that. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. We'll we'll send you more videos than you ever want to watch. Exactly. <laughs> All right, love it. <laughs> but you know, it's so, funny actually backtracking to one of the things you talked about how you you kind of uh, after you did 24, it's like your rates go up, and then sometimes that works against you because now you're priced out of certain roles and so forth. It kind of yeah. made me think of. It made me think of Louis Gossett Jr. when he won the Academy Award for Awesome Gentleman. Because I remember as a kid, I was like, man, even now, I'm like 11 years old watching that. I was like, wow, this guy's awesome in this movie. I thought for sure he was just going to be, his career was going to blow up. I remember watching him on other shows before that, and I always thought he was a good actor. But that that role on Officer and a Gentleman was classic. Yeah. Oh, and, awesome. but, but but then nothing really happened for him yeah, after no. that. There was, there was no major role. He was in a spinoff of General Hospital. <laughs> there was right. no soap, was no soap <laughs> net. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. He, but it, but it happened that even more recently, I mean, What's Your Name has made a recovery from it, um, from Boys Don't Cry. Uh, oh, um, we, it, wow. That that movie came up again. We were just talking about that movie this past week. Yeah, but, you know, even her, she had to, it took her a few years to kind of get back in and go, whoa, okay, let me just get back to work and right, stop this. Right. No, that's kind of like what I had to figure out. It's kind of like, as we said earlier, I'm a black actor. Let's be real. It's kind of like they're not lining up with a lot of things. You know, we got to keep hustling, and we we can't. We're not in a place to demand this or that. Right. You know, so it's kind of like get to work and just let that speak for itself. As long as I'm fulfilling fulfilling what in what's inside me and taking care of my family and that sort of thing, I'm a happy man. Yeah, and the rest of it, it'll come and it'll go. As you said, fame is fleeting, man. Can't worry about that. Speaking, speaking of fame, is there, does that work in your favor from time to time? Do you get recognized when you're going into restaurants or coffee shops or anything like that? You know what? I, get, I forget sometimes the, what a phenomenon um, 24 was at times. Sure. I forget the kind of effect and impact it had on people. And sometimes, especially when you're in places like Europe and stuff, yeah. where it's just – it's ridiculous. They don't see people. You know, when people come up to you and they're shaking and crying, it makes you kind of go, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. you go, okay, they loved it. And, of course, you know, the Travis Verda character is now kind of gone to the other end, and people are loving him, especially the yeah, dudes are like, oh, Sci-Fi has very devoted fans, as I'm sure you know. So I mean, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure the following of people that are really into Continuum are going to they're gonna notice you a mile away if they see you anywhere. Oh yeah, they do, and you know, and and it's great. But because most of them are pretty respectful, probably because they're scared that I might be able to kill them. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you played play the right role. <laughs> yeah, so they're kind of respectful when they come up, and it's cool. But I have had, you know, in the bathroom, dude, looking over the urinal, and go, "Oh, dude, let's get a picture." Uh, <laughs> oh man, my hands are not so <laughs> 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 Not trying to shake your hand. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I said, why, I literally said, right why don't we wash our hands <laughs> first and go outside? I said, I said, <laughs> uh, see, I, think, I was like, doesn't that happen to you since you're quite a bit? No, but that's the other thing about the roles you play is that when I saw you on 24 and I was like, oh, wow, you know, this character is, and sometimes you, you just, you just automatically think that the actor is like the character he or she yeah. is playing. Because especially when you do it so well, like you do. And then oh, I saw you. I saw you on an interview uh, talking about Twenty Four, and you and you're like just like you are now. You're very gregarious. You're a fun guy to talk to. And I was like, wow, this guy's definitely an actor. He's not just playing. <laughs> he's not just playing himself on the show. Like some actors who are not so good, they're just Charlie playing. Gene. There you go. But how does he get paid, right? <laughs> exactly. I think that's Charlie Sheen just being clever. He's like, hey, I'm going to market who I actually am yep, and, exactly. and ride this whole reality TV fam. I'm gonna that's be what a, it is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, his bosses, they figured it out. They go, shoot, why don't we just write this role like him? Why even bother <laughs> messing around, <laughs> trying to get him to do something else? And it it obviously worked. It worked. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think there there's ever going to be a season finale of Anger Management, so it must be working. Because it, <laughs> it, it, it seems like there's a new episode for like the past two years. I'm like, okay, when did you get a break? So he's trying to make if that. he has any break, he's going to be too wasted to come back. So <laughs> they're going to keep him going. Yeah, yeah, he's going he's gonna to ride that as hard as he can. Who are, now, Roger, who is, do you ever worry about do you ever worry about being typecasted? Because there are a lot of roles we have very authoritative roles where you're right, protecting right. the president or you're just playing the ultimate badass. So do you ever worry about that's what's going to be happening from now on. When you get a script, you're like, okay, here we go again. Really? You want me to play Curtis Manning again? Yeah, I get it. No, you know what? As you said, you saw me in drag in that word. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and recently, I mean, I got to play. And you're right. There, there's, there's a bunch of those roles. But if they're written well, I, I think I'm, I'm going to be able to I, – I like being able to mix it up and add a new wrinkle to them. Right. And so it's not the same. Kind of like, you know, Curtis was Curtis, but I think Travis is very different. And you know, I, I added you add your own wrinkle to it, even if it's the tough guy or whatever. It's right. it's. I recently I did a, a thing on Orphan Black, and he's this Jamaican Brit mm-hmm. who's very vulnerable and in love with this woman. And so you know, I, I'm like, I think I'm blessed enough that I don't have. So I'm not known for well, I am known, I guess you said, for Curtis Manning mainly, but. I'm also known to be able to do a lot of other things, and I'm given the opportunity to opportunity to do it. And so, right. you know, I, I I can't worry about it. If that's what people want to try and do, I think I have good people around me, and we'll find definitely find different things to do. So, and it's probably not the worst thing in the world either, right? To be no. typecasted because that means that whenever they need a role like that, they're going to call you. <laughs> so it's, no. it's better it's better than like uh, not making any impression at all, where you're not exactly. Even Exactly. It's not even put in that corner at all. Well, almost well, every what? movie that yeah, every movie you have on IMDb is like so and so, so and so uncredited. And then it's always <laughs> yeah. like uh, exactly. Samuel, Samuel Jackson and Sea of Love yeah, in the credits, Black. Wow. That was how you went there. No. Oh, you went back for that one. I had to think about yeah. that. It's like Denzel and the Mighty Twin. <laughs> oh my God! Don't even think about it. that. Was so bad. That no, Jamaican yeah, accent was so bad. Jamaica. I know that. I know a lot of Jamaicans. Like, come on, man. That yeah, was so bad. That was terrible. That was worse than Cool Runnings. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was horrible. That that's some of the worst. I don't know where they got that accent coach. He should have been fired <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> and you know, these are men that I respect and love. Love their work. But yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible accent. Your patois 
sucks, man. Yes, it did. <laughs> it did. Someone needed to work with you, but hey. <laughs> what uh, what advice do you have, Roger, for actors who are early in their career and they're struggling and they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this. I love it. I think I'm good at it, but it's just, I, I've been doing it for years and it's just not panning out. Yeah. Honest, sometimes I get to know yourself and be honest with yourself. Right, right. That's the biggest thing. You know, there's a lot of people out there who you may be talented, but there's a lot of other people talented. Why are they working and you're not? Right. You know, be honest with yourself about it. And then right. if there's steps you can take to improve, always do it. Always. Don't blame someone else because of this or whatever. They like said it, it would be easy as, you know, black actor, oh, blame racism, blame this, blame that. I'm like, no, forget that. Right. I'm just right. going to get better at what I do, and, you know, it, don't give anyone any excuse not to hire me next time. Right, right. You know, and so just commit to it, work your butt off, and it's not going to be easy, and it might not come right away, but if you are, if you truly believe in yourself and believe in what you're going to do, just do it. Chase that dream and go for it, man. Life's yeah. too short. Yeah, everybody thinks yeah. that you have to do it from, like, a teenager or in your 20s, but you have an actor like Chief McBride. This guy didn't start to he was... 46 years old. Oh, yeah. Well, neither did, um, oh, my gosh, uh, Morgan Freeman. Exactly. So He didn't start too late in his career. So Morgan and, Freeman has looked the same age since the electric company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This dude has always been old. You know, it's true. It's true. Seriously, man. He's dancing with Rita Moreno, but I was like, wait a minute. You're <laughs> age and dancing with Rita Moreno, but you've been the same age for like 40 years now. Man. I'm 41. And you've always looked like that. I'm like, it's true. Born an old guy, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. My God. Well, thanks a lot, Roger. Oh, hold on, Mike. Mike, oh, don't, yeah, don't, more, don't give more. him a free pass. Oh. Don't give him a free pass. Uh oh. Do that. No, we still have to talk about 24's reboot, man. It's coming up in 2014, dude. So, uh -huh. what? How do you feel about that reboot? I don't know. <laughs> I, so like, I'll be honest with you, the last the last two seasons were very disappointing. Yes. That they ran out of ideas and they went back to some of the old cliches. Yes. And yes. and did a disservice, I think, to the show. Yes. Um, I don't know what they have in store for the new thing, but I hope it's better. And I hope they – there's another show on, and I'm going to give it some love, Strike Back. I love right? that show. Yeah. Thank you. It's, like, it's kind of like – That show's a badass show. That show's a badass show, and if you could take the gloves off 24 a little bit yeah. and add some of that – then yeah, yeah. you would have a show that even goes even beyond where it is right now. Into the no, I think they should, get, they should get you on Strike Back. <laughs> that would be a uh, cool character. <laughs> yeah, I, I like would, the show. So you, know? you, would, you would fit right into that show. <laughs> Actually, I probably would, and I'd probably love it. You know, and, <laughs> and as I said, but, you know, if, if you brought the writers that we had on that show mm -hmm. into that and I let them loose like that, oh, my God. Yeah, that's what I think when I watch Strike Back. I'm like, wow, this is like uh, – you know, like an R plus rated version of 24. It's got yeah. more, more action and the characters are a little bit grittier because they can be, you know, great yeah. sex scenes and stuff like that. So it's like, exactly. this, this is an adult show right here. Strike it back really that's, is. That's, and if that's, you, that's took, if you gave, you know, Joel Sornow and the rest of his gang, Howard Gordon and them, you gave them free reign to go off like that, uh, you would have something that's insane. I think that the thing with 24 that impressed me is that given the restriction of the show, like the whole season has to happen in a 24-hour yeah. time frame, yeah. I was always amazed that they were able to keep banging out seasons because I thought after the first season, I was like, come on, what are you guys going to do? And then the second yeah. season was great. And then I was I like, okay, I said the okay, same fine. thing too. Third and season talking was to, great. Yeah. yeah. 
And the studio said the same thing. They said to him, guys, you did a great job in the first season. Now let's make it a real series and get back to what we do. And, and Joel's like, no, that's not the show I created, and this is what we're going to do. And when you have someone like that running the ship and saying that's what's going to happen, and they're like, okay, well, he's still making us money. If he falls on his face, boom, till then, okay, let him go. Right. <laughs> right. And so they let him go, and there you are. What was, what was the most fun thing about being on 24 and, and, 24 and maybe – Maybe what was the the worst thing about being on Twenty Four? Maybe it was just, yeah. you had to well, you had to film one of the so best much. Things, reading a script and going, oh my god, I'm going to get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. And even that scene where we had the you know the I think the Secretary of State getting rescued, and they had the real military out there with us, and the helicopters are flying in, and you're out there, you're yeah, going, yeah, that was yeah. cool. Wow, this <laughs> is this is you've arrived. You know that that was amazing. And, and I mean, and I won't talk about any of the bad because you know it goes with everything else. Um, right, it's right, just, right. it just, it's just, it was a great experience. Um, the bad was the way I went out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I still, I still think you did a great job in playing that scene yeah. the way you. Well, I, I just, I just liked your character, and I think a lot of other people did as well. We would have liked to have seen you in the show longer that season. Yeah, my wife, my wife was quite upset. She's like, really? I'm like, you need to calm down. <laughs> no, don't calm it down, man. Get her going. No, they got a lot of. What I love about it, they got a lot of mail saying that, and it just, you know, for me, this it felt good when I got the love from a lot of people that say, "Listen, I, 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 I stopped watching it, or I, I thought about not watching it ever again after that happened." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, not that I'm the guy for the show, but they, you know, they appreciated what you did." I'm not gonna watch it anymore. Well, until next week, anyway. Until next week, exactly. I'm gonna be mad for six more days. Exactly. But I can't That's stop. How, I can't stop. That's how I felt from the fight Saturday night. Like I'm through watching UFC until the next pay per view. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, actually, we didn't get a chance. Just one last question, just so we can plug the show Arrow that you're on as well. You played number one, right? Yeah, Detective Hilden on Arrow, which is on WB, which is another great show. You're on. I think you've kind of hit the jackpot here. With you got two number one shows, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's great. It's a good shows, good quality shows. Yeah, those guys are doing a great job over there. And if you love action, I mean, you can't you can't oh, beat it. Their stunt team and the fighters they got over there, phenomenal. They're phenomenal. You know, to work to see those guys go, it's I've worked with several of them for years, and you know, I I did some stunts back in the days as well too, and stuff working with these guys and stuff. You know, they've got a great team over there. It's fun. And both shows are filmed in Vancouver, so that both kind of shows are filmed. That's why they're able to make it work. And yeah. I was also last season. I was doing a show called Motive as well. Oh yeah, so, yeah, on ABC. And so they've they've been able to, you know, my my Uber agent Deb Dillastone, giving her a plug. She's been phenomenal in you know working a lot of this stuff out. It kind of sucks. They didn't really give Motive a chance, man. ABC has really done that a lot with some shows that I think yeah. it was a Daybreak or something like that. It was kind of like a. Kind of like Groundhog Day, I think, for Tay Diggs. I forgot the name of the show. He just kept remembering the same yeah. dream over and over. But oh. we never really got to why it happened. And it just oh, yeah. like ABC will cancel the show quick. <laughs> yeah, and poor Tay Diggs, for yeah. a moment, every show he had was, like, really good, but they were canceled out the first season. It was, yeah. like, one show that he was a lawyer, but he became a single dad. And that's and right. He never gave it a chance. That, that was, was a spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great and show. So. But, yeah, but that's, that's just how it is, man. You just got to – but, you know, at least they got a shot, in a sense. Right. They, they, they got a shot but didn't get a shot. I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just got to roll with it, and then hopefully you land in a good situation where the show's great, your character's great, and you're also working with good people. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, that makes a huge difference. No doubt. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Roger, for coming on. You've given us a lot of time. We appreciate it. Very yeah. interesting person to talk to. 
and right. wish you all the best success in the world. You're doing a great job out there. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it, guys. Great talking to you. Same here, man. Take care. Right, Take care. Bye. Take care. And again, folks, that's Roger Cross. He stars on Continuum and Arrow. Continuum is on the Sci-Fi Network. Arrow is on the WB. You can catch seasons one and two of Continuum on Netflix, and you can get season one of Arrow on Netflix, too. And actually, I think season three of Continuum is coming on in January, and season two of Arrow is on actually right now. Yeah. Both really good shows. And if you just so happen to miss him in 24, you can catch those seasons on Netflix as well. Yeah. Uh, he was in seasons, what, seven, six, five? He was in four, and five, and four. six. Four. Yeah. yeah, four, five, and six. And yeah, seven. They, they, they killed him off in seven. I think it was like... Uh, it, was, it was six, actually. Six where yeah. Jack comes back from China. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> He comes back from China ready to fight within minutes of landing after being tortured for two years. <laughs> like, um, weren't you held captain? Didn't they starve you? But now you're all energized. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill them all. Wrong, wrong yeah. show, dude. Wrong show. <laughs> that, 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 was a, that was a fun interview, man. What a cool guy yeah. he is. Great guy. And uh, real quick, folks, we, we appreciate all the reviews coming in. Keep them coming because, like I said, when we get to <laughs> review number 100, that's it, man. It's a wrap. We're not going to keep giving away – great free information forever. I mean, Sincere's giving away his book. I'm giving away my hormone optimization lecture series. I mean, this is like giving you guys a hundred bucks just for putting a review right. of a show that you already like. You know, we don't want people to get on there and say great show who have never listened to it before. <laughs> we, want, <laughs> we want people who actually like the show that are saying, hey, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to get around to giving a review and that's awesome that they're going to give me some freebies. So I'll, I'll make a point of doing it today. You know, it's just an incentive. And so we're at about, I think, like 62 or something like that right now. And we probably have about seven or eight more in the pipeline because they yeah. take their time putting the reviews on. But we want to get to 100 before the year's up. And once we get to 100, that's it, folks. No more freebies for the, it doesn't for mean that you, the show. It doesn't mean you have to stop giving us reviews. I'm just <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> we'll come up with something else at that point, maybe a free yeah, flashlight. Fleshlight or something like that. Yeah. Be, we'll, we'll have a fleshlight giveaway. Or <laughs> the proverbial yeah. anal bleaching certificate, you know, in Vegas. <laughs> All right, I had to do it. Had to yeah, exactly. It. That's gonna be that's gonna be a theme for a long time. But uh, what's what's funny is actually someone someone's like, oh, I already have a sincere book in your lecture series. How about a fleshlight? Ha ha ha. And I was like, oh, well, no problem, man. I have your address on file. And it just so happens that Ken Blackburn has a used one that he wants to give away. <laughs> it's all the way, my friend. It's Why does it smell like shea butter? <laughs> hey, man, uh, how, was that? How, was the, how was the event this past weekend? Oh, man, so, yeah, just got back from the competition. Yeah, I'm, it's hitting me now. But it was a great competition. I actually think this is probably one of the – best competitions the IKFS put together as far as the kettlebell competition, which is now called the World Kettlebell Championships. Before it was nationals, but it's getting so big, and you have a lot of athletes that are coming over from other countries. There's this one female athlete, Svetlana. I always screw up her last name, so I'm not going to screw it up. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Sure. This chick is a badass. I mean, she was tossing that 28 around like it was a feather. And I don't think people understand a 28-kilogram kettlebell, that's 63 pounds. So ladies out there are really kicking ass in the sport. I remember when we first started, it was very male-dominant. You see some females here and there, but it's totally turned to 180 now, and the women are really dominating the events, and they are kicking ass. They are rocking and rolling with the 20s, the 24s. You have women who are training. I mean, they're competing with the 28. Uh, my friend, our friend, Donica Storino, just back in June in New Orleans, she did a five-minute long cycle with the 32, and we know she's about 120 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, so, so to sit there and say that women can't move big weight and still look like women, 
you need to just move on from that. But it was and a great. I, and, I, and I think that's a big market for someone like Donica and Vince Vetlon is that because oh, exactly. they proved they, they proved that, and I think that's something that they should both emphasize. I mean, Donica emphasizes it quite a bit already, but I, I think she can really solidify that because right. she she yeah she she doesn't have any. She doesn't look like a big bulky guy at all, not by a exactly. long shot. She's Here's a mother of three, you know exactly. Yeah. Her family and, and runs a business with her husband, a major business with her husband in New Jersey. So she finds the time to train. She kicks ass. She's master sport. She's master sport international class. Um, another friend of ours, Jennifer Hintenberger, she yeah. had um, best coefficient. She ended up getting master sport this past weekend with the 24s in a yeah, long cycle. And even what, what amazes me, she even said that still wasn't her best. But I'm just like, geez, I hate to see what your best is. So, <laughs> I mean, she, it was amazing. So it was a good weekend. I competed in the chair press for the first time with the 20s. It was, oh, cool. it was fun, and I think I found another event that I'm hooked on, which kind of goes right into my, my other training that I really love. So it doesn't really interfere with my training, my barbell training. So right. if I'm doing Olympic lifts, if I'm really like having a program where I'm doing a lot of deadlifts or something like that, they're not clashing with each other when I'm training for that. And I also did the five-minute snatch with the 28 for the first time. Got 72 reps in five minutes, so that was, nice. that was, nice. that was fun. That was fun. 39 reps in the chair press with the 220. So it was good. a good weekend, good. man. Good. And thank you for the testosterone boost in the stores on. Because let me tell you, Ken and I taught workshops that Saturday and that Sunday after the competition. Trust me, Restorezyme was my best friend because I'm, usually I'm a lot more beat up after a competition like that, especially with that kind of weight. But right now I'm just, all I want to do is sleep. It's like my body's not beat up. I just want to, I just want to go to bed because I had like a yeah, crazy yeah. flight getting in yesterday. But, yeah, yeah man, it was, it was a great weekend. I must say a lot of folks were coming up to me during the weekend talking about the show. Like, dude, oh, I really great. love what you and Mike are doing with the podcast, man. I love it. And, I mean, they weren't just, just stroking me. They were actually talking about episodes and, hey, I remember when you guys said this and this, this, this. And I was like, wow. I mean, there's a lot of people, Mike. And a lot of folks were That's also cool. talking about your products as well. And they were happy about the bundle, which we'll get to in just a second. So, yeah, man, it's, it's really good to get that feedback when you're right there and people coming yeah. up to you and it's like, dude, yeah. love the show. Love what you guys are doing. Please keep it up. We like just a variety of guests that you have. We're kind of glad that, you know, you guys are not just talking fitness all the time because you're opening my mind to other things. And it always comes back to that. It seems like that Robert Greene episode and the first James Pond episode. I think those were like pivotal moments of this show I where everybody's so, like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Robert Greene was our first real big guest. I mean, he's a yep. New York Times best-selling author, and it was it was it was like early in the show. I mean, we we're still early in the show. We've only been doing this for like six, seven months right now. But back then, it was like three months, and yeah. we were just get we were just getting things going. We we're we we're trying to get high-level guests. What we weren't having that much success yet, and then all of a sudden, bam! Robert Greene's like, "Yeah, we'll come on," and boom! You know, that was. That was that made it easier to get other guests like Daniel Coyle and some of the other big guests. And Roger, and, yeah. Now, now we've had Roger. This is another pivotal episode. You know, so that's that. That's really the thing with with anything in life is it's going to take time. You know, whether it's a podcast or you're making a supplement or you're working out or you're building a business, it's going to take time, and and you have to enjoy the process where you're you're not looking past whatever's coming up now. Such as with with the podcast, I think the reason why we're we're having a nice run here is that. Every episode was always, that's the focus. We're not thinking about the next five episodes or what's going on next week. It's like, today is Roger Cross. That's what we're focused on. Let's do a good job of him. Right. You know, next time, next person we have is John Hines. You know, we're going to yep. do a great job of him. And, it, and it's just like that. And then we're enjoying the process. And then the show is true to both of us because we're, like, we're, we're not just relegating ourselves to only fitness guests. So it allows us right. to have 
fun with it and be diverse. And I think people like that. People are enjoying yeah. it. And we definitely want to, you know, bring the quality to everyone and give them great guests. Just to give a testament of pretty much how we love what we're doing here. Sunday, I competed twice. I was coaching, helping Ken coach. We taught the workshop. Those are four hours right there at the end of the competition. I got to tell one funny story. After I finished my portion of the workshop, Ken was like, you know, you haven't eaten. Go grab a bite to eat while he did the Bulgarian bag portion of the workshop. So I go upstairs, man. I'm having like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I'm sitting there from the computer because, you know, I'm getting emails from you. You're sending me reviews over that people are sending to you. And also just other comments that were going on. I want to reply to folks. I'm sitting in front of the computer. I'm holding a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And all I know is I open my eyes an hour later. The peanut butter jelly sandwich is still sitting in my hand. And I'm looking at the computer. Dude, I fell asleep. I was just so beat up. <laughs> I fell asleep yeah. right in front of the computer for an hour, still holding the sandwich. Oh, that's hilarious. So I, I, I finished the sandwich. I go back downstairs. But then once we go to dinner, I come back. It's Sunday night. And, you know, we have the Monday. We, we released a podcast on Monday with our guests. You know, there's no sleep. That nap was very beneficial because I spent the rest of the night editing the podcast for Monday. And I didn't care. And I was wide awake. And, but as soon as I was finished and I uploaded that bad boy, Oh, it just hit me. I was out like a light. But you know what? <laughs> Anyone else would be like, you know, I'm too tired. I've been competing. Michael understands. We can release it on Tuesday. No, nah, man, screw that. We say we're going to release these on Mondays and Thursdays, and that's what we're going to do because that's when you guys expect it, and we appreciate that. So we don't want to sit there and jerk you around like that. So. Well, and you do a great job with all the editing. That in case everyone doesn't know, you you do all the editing, and you're the one who puts together these nice show notes that highlight each episode, and, and that and that's a lot of work. And, and you and you do a great job getting those out in a timely fashion. So that's that's a testament to your dedication. And I think I think we make a good team on this because we're not trying to micromanage each other. Like I don't exactly. bother you and say, hey, sincere, when are you going to do this? How about doing this? I, I stay out of that realm because that's right. yours. And then I, I go, let me focus on getting guests, and you're getting guests too, but let me focus on really putting a lot of time into that because exactly. I, I, I have a lot of time on my hands. And uh, just helping get the show out there, marketing and stuff like that. And, you know, we're both doing all that. So it's, it's, exactly. it's, a, nice, it's a nice union, and I think, I think that's important too for others out there listening who are thinking about doing a podcast. I think it's a good idea to have a partner where you're both yeah, compliment, complimenting each other's skill sets, right? So exactly. one person, you decide what the roles are. It's like, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. We're, we don't need to micromanage each other. We're both going to get it done. And uh, we're, we're both going to be committed to making the show work. And I think that's why exactly. we work. This whole thing. Yeah, just, know, just like knowing the role, staying in your lane, and, and just removing the ego. And that's why right. we're having fun with this. And exactly. that's a testament to anything in business when you want to partner up or do a joint venture with someone, no matter, even if it's not a podcast. You want to consider those things. Consider those. Consider who you want to work with and what are they going to bring to the table. Make sure it's not someone that's going to try to just bleed you drive all your resources. Make sure right. that they can bring something, especially if, they can, if they're great at something that you're just good at or not so good at. Find that. But if you're both great at the exact same thing, you're going to cancel each other out eventually. And it just I think that's a mis- exactly. That, and you bring up a great point there because I think the mistake a lot of people make when they try to do partnerships with others, such as doing a joint workshop or writing a book together or whatever it is, is, you know, what can this person do for me? You know, that's what right. each person is thinking. Like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to write a book with Mike because he's got a bigger name than mine, or I'm going to do a workshop with Sincere because he's going to get me in front of more people than I can get on my own. And, and that's a very unhealthy way to look at it. You should be thinking about what can you do. Most people can smell your bullshit a mile away. Too. Yeah, what, what can you do for them, and what can you do to make it work his or her while where they want to work with you again? Because that's the real payoff. You know, yeah. getting a one-time gig where you work with someone and then they decide they don't want to work with you again, that, that you might as well not even have done that one gig because it was right. a waste of time. 
know, and I've had that happen with me in the past where people have worked with me and they didn't do jack to, get, to make the workshop successful. And then the workshop is successful because of my efforts. And then afterwards, they're going, hey, uh, you know, next time we should do this. Now, I'm like, there ain't going to be a next time, dude. And here's why, you know, because right. you didn't do jack shit, you know. Right. And I said, now if they did, yeah, there would have been a next time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time, and, a, <laughs> and it would have been a nice little role. So I think, right. but because just like you said, I don't like the mentality of someone just writing my my work or someone, and, and right. you've been in the same situation too, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, fine, you got me that time, but you don't think, I'm not going to let it happen again. I can fool me once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fool me again, F you and me. <laughs> so. <laughs> And on that front, if you want yeah. to be more assertive in life and you want to take charge, then you got to get the Aggressive Strength Nutrition Ooh. Supplement Bundle. <laughs> go to MikeFollard.com. You can get a unit of Restorezyme, Testosterone Booster, my recovery oil. You can buy it as a set. You get free shipping. You get discounts depending on how many you buy. And on top of any of that, you get an additional 10% off if you use coupon code LLA. Also, folks, Keep in mind, for those of you that are waiting to pull the trigger for Black Friday, I'm going to be perfectly blunt with you and tell you that my testosterone booster will not be on sale this season. And the reason why is that I only have about 950 bottles left, which may sound like a good amount, but it's not. I've I've sold that much in a few weeks before. So right now, my next batch is not going to be ready. Like the the next shipment of Bulbine just came in from South Africa. It's got to clear customs. It's not going to be ready to ship to my capping company until like December 7th or 8th. So I'm def- so basically I have to make sure that I don't run out of inventory because I have a lot right. of people who buy this product that are my loyal customers that I, I want to make sure I have products to refill their orders. So the last thing I'm going to do is this big sale for a bunch of people that have never bought it before so they can give it a shot and, and burn people that have been buying it from me for a while. So there, there isn't going to be a sale at all. You can use temper, you can use the coupon code LLA to get 10% off but that's it. There, is, there isn't going to be any bigger sale than that. So don't feel like if you buy it today and then you go, oh, man, he just sent out that email for 25% off because it's not going to happen. Now, at the same time, my other supplements, Restores on Recovery Oil, I do have a good inventory of both. So there will be a nice little sale there and more information about that as we get uh, closer to Black Friday. And then also you can use the coupon code for, for your substance here. What do they get with that? Yeah, they can get the physical copy or the digital copy of my Bodyweight Training DVD. Um, lots of Lots of folks love the, the seminar this past weekend in Michigan, the bodyweight seminar. Opened awesome. their minds up to a lot of things. And a lot of the things that we, I mean, you can go to my Facebook page and you can see the testimonials. I didn't even ask for that. These people are just posting it on there. So a lot of things that we covered, even though that was a two-hour workshop on each day, and that was kind of like the bodyweight training greatest hits, you can see a lot more than a lot of the folks saw this past weekend on the DVD. So you can go over there, go to my website, newwarriortraining.com, and you can get the physical copy or the digital download of the DVD, Use the coupon code LLA, and you'll get 30% off of that. So take advantage of that because it's about to be the holiday season. It's going to be a lot of traveling going on, and your workouts are going to suffer. You may not be able to get to the gym as much as you want to right now. Right. So pick up that DVD. It will help you out. You can train anywhere, anytime. Pretty much just about anyone can do the exercises in there. And it comes with a four-week training program as well as a bonus from Mike that's in there as well. So I always, I always forget to mention that. So there's a, <laughs> another little – interrogation that I had with Mike that uh, I included with that, that whole package. So you're going to get a lot of good stuff. So Watch out, Sincere. Those sales are about to go off the chain now. now that, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> now that people know that little bonus is in there. I got my moneymaker, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So. We, we, we're even going to throw in an autographed picture of Roger Cross 
in his drag role from the L word. That's going <laughs> to be <laughs> that's going to be thrown in there as well. <laughs> oh, gosh, man. That was so awesome. So yeah, folks. So keep the reviews coming. Hit us up on iTunes. Hit us up on Stitcher. We really appreciate it. And other than that, don't forget we have real email addresses: Mike at LLAPodcast.com or Sincere at LLAPodcast.com. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Big shouts out to Roger Cross, awesome guest. Thank you guys for always supporting us, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Yeah.